Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. All right, guys, there's been some uh, goings on as of late that I wanted to talk to you about. So anybody that is following the Mark 1 campaign may have noticed a few weeks ago um, a couple of updates. One was a progress report, kind of just checking in and and talking about everything that you're up to. Um, It's some stuff that we've spoken about on the show, right? About like some of the different materials and stuff that you were hoping to use. And also carrying on the conversation that we had on our last episode about potentially moving some production to China. Because we'd spoken about this, right? Like you, I think it was you, Tom, that said that you were looking at some options um, and just kind of getting some quotes, right? Yeah. Um, and then the comments of the post and a lot of the kind of the comments that were occurring just on your Kickstarter campaign in general was a lot of people that were concerned um, about Chinese manufacture for, for a couple of reasons. Um, it's, as I, hopefully, I'm going to do a decent job of summing up these concerns, but I'm, I'm going to go real broad strokes with it. Um, one of the big concerns was uh, quality. So just a concern that the quality wasn't going to be as good. There was concerns um, about people that believed that these jobs should be in America, that this work should be done in America. Um, And most of this was focused around a concern that people had that you that this this pen was apparently a made in the USA pen that you had said that that this stuff would be made in the USA and that because of this you were lying to the people or like pulling the rug out from underneath people after they had already given you their money um, there was also a separate conversation that we'll address a little bit later i think about um people that were saying that you were making it cheaper so you could make your packaging more expensive so I know I've done a lot here to to kind of there's a lot of things there's a lot of threads that I've just angled but Dan do you want to start kind of talking about some of this stuff like about the fact that it's moving to China and and maybe some of the made in the USA stuff Well basically I mean in regards to the updates I don't I do think we made an error in how we communicated and I mean, that's on us. Uh, like, I don't, we, you know, there's no apology necessary for, you know, where we're manufacturing the pen or, or any choices we're making in terms of that stuff. But I do think uh, we did mess up with our first update and just doing a poor job of conveying why this was actually a good thing uh, for backers, uh, which I think we did a much better job uh, in the follow-up update, which we can talk about. But basically... Um, you know, when you're making a product, there are lots of, uh, you know, factors to consider and the kind of relationship with the manufacturer is an important one because you want to make sure you're on the same page and, uh, you kind of get, you know, you're both striving towards the same goal. And we became really, um, kind of upset with, uh, the response we were getting from many of the U S based manufacturers that we were approaching, uh, like, uh, like we said in the update, it was kind of like pulling teeth, uh, just trying to get a quote. Uh, you know, sometimes it would take three weeks to just tell, you know, for them to tell us, uh, you know, how much it would cost. 
and uh, a- another manufacturer uh, basically flat out told us like they would they kind of don't want to make it uh, because one of the parts is kind of complicated. So that is not like a reassuring relationship. Like that's not a good starting point for, you know, building a product together. So, uh, you know, alternatively, when we submitted the drawings to this website called mfg.com, which is basically kind of a, a, a curated like list of manufacturers that uh, you kind of submit your drawing and then uh, they're able to quote, they're able to see it and kind of quote it. Um, and then you can gather those and, and kind of choose which direction you want to go to. And um, we just observed uh, just like so much more hustle. Like we were getting quotes back within like 24 or 48 hours. Um, and it was just clear that, they were like enthusiastic about mm-hmm. doing it. And it seemed like kind of the relationship would just be much better by they, you mean like manufacturers in China? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cause we got, so what, I mean, Tom, you can speak to this. We got like s- quotes back from China and the U S through MFG. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, only a couple from the U S a lot of companies looked at it, but they like put out no bids on it basically. And yeah, we had like 20 something from China. So yeah, pretty like remarkable difference. And the one company from the US that quoted didn't like wouldn't they put a no quote in for like several of the parts and it took them like four weeks to like do it. Uh and so yeah, I mean it's we it's funny because we're talking about this like we haven't manufactured things in China before and we yeah, have um, this is one of those funny things where you know, like people that I think fo- have followed you more closely or have listened to the show in the past, like this is a thing you've done multiple times, right? Like Chinese manufacturer is, is a thing that you guys have done. Like you you are not one of these like made in America brands in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that is definitely true. I think maybe what is different about this product is the other things we've made in China in the past, specifically uh, like the Need Ice Kit and Canopy, they're just like flat out could not be made in the u.s or if they were made in the u.s it would be absurdly expensive to the point of where it would be a product that no one would want to buy it's like Mm -hmm. could we sell the neat ice kit for three hundred dollars no uh it's really good though yeah (laughs) so so those are those were kind of like oh it's like if we want to make this product it has to be made you know it's like a similar i mean not to like compare ourselves to like apple and the iphone but like the the iphone like could not be made in the u.s just like as you know at the scale they're at and you know the labor that is necessary to do that um it just like couldn't happen so there are certain products that's just like the reality of you know the state of manufacturing but that's not the case here so right like, we yeah. it's like literally a choice but in, but you know in the past we've we've been burned by working with uh, basically just like international suppliers in general, because there's different levels of expectation in terms of quality and the communication is more difficult. And so, and, and you know, Dan, and like I, um, so Dan and I are like very cautious about mm-hmm. uh, like going, like moving forward with like a Chinese manufacturer in this case, because, you know, it's, it's a, it like needs to be really high precision and, you know, we worry about it not being, and then it's just like, there's delays and like all kinds of stuff. And this is why the decision hasn't been finalized yet, right? Yeah. So we still haven't, you know, we, we can talk about this later. We did get some parts back and everything is like, looks good. And so I think it's likely that it will happen. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, we, uh, we have learned to, um, 
be very cautious uh, in general. And so, you know, we did not make this like Chinese manufacturing like trial decision lightly at all. Um, and so for us, it was, I think our, the main problem, like the reason why we did such a poor job of communicating uh, this like Chinese manufacturing thing to our backers is for us, we, I guess we just like didn't think it was would be a big deal. Like we, I think we both just like spaced on that. And so we didn't, you know, kind of fully explain like why we were doing it. Um, but in the lead up to them making that decision, like we had to really talk ourselves into doing it. <laughs> and so we we did, ha- we do have like tons of reasons why it's better or else we wouldn't be doing it. Um, and so it felt very like it, we were both like really blindsided by the response. We're like, oh, wait. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. What's in like particularly different about this product is all of the things that need to be right are like very specifiable. So, you know, we could submit a drawing to the manufacturer and tell them, okay, if if the specs don't fall within this drawing, then like the parts are rejected and we're not going to pay for them. And it's rarely the case where we can actually do like do that exactly. Can you do that with a US manufacturer? Can you be that harsh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. what's expected. So so one of the big differences at least that we've observed and from heard from other people is you know, if you get some, all the metal parts that we've made, you know, in the U.S., the U.S. manufacturer, like, just uh, does a better, like, they do, they double check more that everything is followed perfectly on the drawings, right? Um, whereas our experience with, like, oh, like a lot of Asian manufacturers is they, they just will miss things. Like, they just either won't pay attention to something or they'll have different assumptions of, like, uh, like surface finish and stuff. And so... Um, Sometimes, like, you'll get parts back and something is wrong, right? Or they made a, some assumption about something that you didn't want. And so there's a lot of back and forth that happens. Um, but in the U.S., typically, or at least our experience, the manufacturers we've worked with, there's a much closer alignment with, you know, kind of expectations. And so there's, like, less problems that happen. Doesn't this lend, then, to the concern about quality? Like, isn't this where, is this where it comes from? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, it's not unwarranted. Like, I, I, in general, I think we would agree that th- that it is harder to get a quality product out of, um, like, Chinese manufacturers sometimes. But I think that's more of an, um, that is more of the case in different types of products. Like, for instance, with the neat ice kit, we have, like, the piece of foam is made in China. And, uh, the the one of the tricky steps is there's like flash that happens when the mold is made and so that flashing has to be removed manually and you know there's just diff there's just different ideas of what that should look like at the end right um i think in general and so it's hard to communicate that it's not something that is like easy specifiable like to specify and if it is it's like hard to measure so it's just it's like a gray area it's like specifying a color or something it's just it's hard to do. Whereas with this pin, you know, we're the nice thing is all of the things that are specifiable are also easy to measure. So, you know, they can measure it on site there and just make sure, you know, everything is right. So it's difficult. Um, but the funny thing is, I mean, like oh, literally almost everything is made in China uh, or India or Taiwan. And so the like or and like the, you know, the most high quality product on Earth, which is like the iPhone, is also made in China. So this like idea that 
in general things are lower quality or they can't be high quality is like an old idea and like silly uh it's just like straight up wrong i agree with that but it isn't it isn't the general perception of people for for whatever reason you know like it, it yeah. seems to have changed and i think it, over the past few years the kickstarter community the kickstarter kind of world that you know w- with which has birthed companies like studio neat right like the, these small maker teams or individuals there has been a real resurgence to the idea of made in america like it feels like yeah. so many kickstarter projects like fly that banner and i think this is kind of how you guys have maybe backed yourselves into this situation is that you are part of and like a big a shining star of the kickstarter community so when i think your backers come to your page and they see two american guys and they see tom is making stuff in his workshop they're just like well everything's going to be made in america because america right yeah <laughs> well i think it's you know it's I don't know, it's, it's really difficult to know or understand why i think that's totally part of it like I think a lot of pins are made in the U.S. or made by the designers themselves, and so that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I will state for the record, and which I think should make sense to anybody that's listening, and uh, me and Brad on The Pen Addict had a long conversation about this a while back, and I'll put a link in the show notes to our episode. I don't care about Made in America because I'm not American. Yeah. And <laughs> there is this weird thing where, like, so many products like we're proudly made in the USA. It's like I I kind of don't care about that. Like yeah. if, if it definitely means a product is good quality, then great. But but it doesn't always mean that. It's not like the case anymore. Yeah. Um what I want is to know that a product is thoughtfully designed and <laughs> thoroughly considered and like well made. Mm-hmm. Like that's what mm-hmm. I care about. And mm-hmm. Made in the USA has tried to, or is tried to, I think, be used as a translation for that. But I look for other things, right? Like, I look for mm-hmm. other tells, you know, like the way that the video is made, right? Like, if the video is very well made, I feel like, by and large, a lot of the time, it's probably going to be a good product. Unless, you know, there, there, like, of course, you can have a well made video that's kind of scammy, but like, there are flags for all this sort of stuff, right? Like, if you're paying mm-hmm. attention. But there is just this such a weird thing where, like, people in america right now seem to just feel like it can only be america or it sucks and it's it is kind of strange to an to a european yeah no i totally understand how that's weird it doesn't make any sense it's just like a historical context that's complicated and i think it's naturally not at all most people i think most people understand that that's not the world anymore um but also you know there there are reasons why making things locally and in your own country is good like for the economy and stuff i understand that yeah and like this mm-hmm. is the other part that i want to get to which is which is that side of it right which is that there are a lot of people and, and i mentioned it at the start when i was kind of running through what i feel the 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 complaints have been where there are people that don't necessarily think that it is a quality-driven problem, but it is a kind of jobs-in-America problem. It's tricky. I mean, that is true. Like, that is not an incorrect opinion. It's just a little... It's probably a little bit... um, You know, our pin would not employ... It probably would employ, like, a quarter of a person for a year, maybe at the most. And so, you know, we're just like not at the scale where we are affecting uh, macroeconomic trends in that way. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, I, we don't need to get into like an economics argument, but the other side of that coin is like, uh, you know, 
globalization also has other benefits besides like direct employment. So, you know, I, we, we are not qualified or should we get into like an economics argument, but the, the, basically this, the fact of the matter is, and the reason why we made this decision uh, is we are basically just able to do some things that will make the product better in the long run. If we get it made in China uh, and basically that comes down to just being able to do some tests that we wanted to do and then mm-hmm. you choose some better materials and some better processes. And so for us, it was, you know, you know, assuming that we can get what we want, um, it's kind of a no brainer because we get to like we get the, the product gets to be better. And so for us, that's really what it comes down to. In what ways can the product be better? Like, can you run through quickly like what what those things are now that you, you you've got a better handling on the prices and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So uh, kind of what number one is just material. So we get to use a better grade aluminum, which is awesome. It's like basically it's as strong as some stainless steel. So that's really nice. Um, and then one of the big, I think the big huge advantage is we get to do some basically like as <laughs> almost as many kind of uh, sample production runs and revisions as we want to do. It's like affordable to do that. Whereas um, there's basically no way. So the way this kind of machining works, because we're using like Swiss lathes, um, just to set up a part to have it run costs like thousands of dollars. And so uh, for us to make one part in a production, like on production, in a production way, it would cost $1,000 for that one part. And so for us to, you know, make or do a run of 50 or 20 to test, to test the fit of everything on like production machines, it would cost, you know, $6,000 every single time. Um, And so it's just like, basically, we can't afford to, to um, have test parts made on production machines. Uh, with production service finishes and production tolerances, etc. And so that's basically just out of reach if we have them made in the US. Whereas in China, they, I, I think it's just basically like the labor it takes to set up the machines is so much less that it is more affordable for us to do these production runs where we can really test the fit of everything, test the surface finish of everything in a production environment, and then make know that everything is like locked down and good and make the tweaks that we need to make um, and then kind of go forward with the um, production re- like production revision. So we basically get to make like production revision versions. Um, we get to make several revisions uh, before any customer gets a pin, which is something that almost never happens. Usually like when we were making a product, we'll do the first production run and there'll be some things we want to tweak and hopefully we'll tweak those things, but then we have to wait for the next production run to like, Mm-hmm. to actually see those come through. But in this case, we get to like make those tweaks beforehand. So that feels really good because we can really kind of nail things down. So that's, that's one of the main reasons beyond the material where it, it really pays to do things in China. I'm going to be pretty difficult with you right now. I just want to label that up front. But there's a lot of stuff around cost, right? And you're saying that it's affordable in China in a way that it isn't affordable in America. Isn't there something a little bit awkward about that? Why is it awkward? What do you mean? Well, in America, it costs so much money for labor, yeah. but it's cheap in China. But that those that labor is people. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, and like, what what is you know, what I mean? like what what is your read on that kind of stuff? Tricky. Um, I think it's really tricky. Uh, I think what's difficult 
we, I think we both, and I don't necessarily want to speak for Dan, but like we both, you know, we are, our house is filled with products that are made, you know, in China by like in labor practices that probably aren't the best in the world. And so it's really difficult to uh, like carry that flag absolutely all the time. Um, and so, you know, for us, I think it's basically just like a decision and a compromise we have to make. And it totally is a compromise. But um, I don't think either of us have a huge, like, I think if we were morally committed to that idea, we also like wouldn't own anything that's made in Asia, which I challenge. We wouldn't even be talking right now, would we? <laughs> no, yeah. we wouldn't. And I wouldn't challenge, I would challenge anyone uh, listening to this to uh, actually take that role. So it's, 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 uh, it's a tricky situation. But, you know, on the other hand, like, you know, we also get to pick the manufacturer that we work with in China, right? And so we're not just like picking some, you know, like some random thing where we're picking yeah. a, like a very reputable company. And so right. it's like silly to think that... So it's like, it's as good as it can be while still being tough. Well, I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't think we know if it's as good as it can be, but right. we do know it's like a large company that is like, has a very good reputation and mm -hmm. we've got, got references. So, you know, we've done some due diligence there. Obviously, if we went and visited, it would be better, but, you know, so... I think it's like unfair to assume that every company and every person working in China is like under like horrible slave conditions because that's <laughs> definitely not the case. So you know it's 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 uh it's obviously a a decision we're making and like a value judgment, but I don't think it's unreasonable in any way. Like I don't think it's like crazy. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to kind of understand in their heads that there is a difference between like the labor being cheaper just as a result of kind of like the realities of the economy and such yep. versus like, oh, this is like slave labor, unpaid mm -hmm. labor or, or cruelty in some or way. Or it's children. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely so... not children. I can guarantee you it is not children running these uh, $100,000 <laughs> machines that make these pins. <laughs> it's like not true. Yeah. It's engineers. Yeah. I mean, one, uh, I was as we were talking about this, one uh, story... Uh, I just thought of that. I think it's really kind of telling and interesting is the um, the latest glyph we made, uh, you know, the adjustable one with mm -hmm. uh, with the quick release lever uh, that was made in the United States with our, you know, premier source in South Dakota. But the mold was made the injection mold, you know, mold was made in China uh, kind of at their insistence, you know, like we you know, when we got the quote for them, it was like, here's a quote for the mold, uh, you know, made in China. And, you know, they, the, we don't have to do anything that the company uh, in South Dakota is like the liaison for, for facilitating that and making that happen. But we were like, oh, uh, do you, can, you know, can you give us a quote for, you know, if you guys made this here in the United States? <laughs> like, and nah, just, you don't want that quote. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. They were just like, they were like, why would you do that? <laughs> like they, this was like idiot. totally. Well, no, that wasn't their answer. Their answer is it would be four times more expensive. And it was already yeah. $60,000. So yeah. it's, uh, I mean, it's just like really, uh, when you see the reality of the situation, it's like, you know, it's, um, it's just tricky. I mean, one thing that's like interesting is for instance, like material costs are just so much lower in China because they make all the material, like in particular aluminum. And so it's, you know, just because things are cheaper does not necessarily mean it's like, you know, horrible working conditions per se. Um, so, you know, it's like I said, it's a, we are, we understand that we are like making a decision. We're not like blind to those ideas, but um, 
it's like a it's like a compromise in some ways, but it's definitely one that we don't really feel that bad about because it's not actually that bad. Um, yeah, and, but again, like we we need to stress that like the the fact that it is quote unquote cheaper is like means we can actually spend more money on like the quality of the material. So like you said, with like the higher grade aluminum and such, like that's where that money is going. And like you said, being able to do like repeated production test runs, like the product is absolutely going to end up like being better than if we like did it in the United States. So I think we did a good job like communicating that in the second update, but that's kind of like where we fell short. It's just like, hey, this is like a good thing for you because you're getting a better product in the end. Another common thread that I've seen is talking about the packaging. Um, mm-hmm. And there seems to be uh, an understanding, like a belief amongst some of the criticism that I've seen that you guys are spending more on packaging now and that you're kind of getting lost in that. And I kind of wanted to understand what you think. Because, you know, anyone that knows you guys knows that you really love packaging. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was probably another mistake in the first update. Because it was kind of just like, not like a throwaway comment, but it was just like a, for example, this. And everyone like really harped on that, which I think is actually useful feedback. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, differentiate like kind of what is a vocal minority, but... It is good to always know kind of what people value and especially the feedback about kind of like recyclability, uh, I think is like really good feedback. Um, so it's like we're, we are like taking those comments into consideration for sure. And it's actually like got us thinking about some new ideas for what the packaging can be. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't want people to think that it's like, yay, like we're making this in China. That means we can like make like $10 packaging that you throw away. Like that is not <laughs> what's happening. But it's sometimes it's the difference of just like, oh, we could like do this really like nice letterpress thing that just like feels awesome uh, and is like a good experience that, you know, we might have like a little bit more latitude to do that. Uh, or honestly, like we're looking at a direction now that would be like a very kind of like eco-friendly, like highly recyclable uh thing mm-hmm. but it like it might cost like it might it's like a, a it's like kind of on the edge of you know how much it costs uh but we might like feel comfortable doing that now and it's like kind of a win all around because you get this really nice thing and it's really you know sustainable or whatever and we're able to do that yeah. just like so everyone knows like the order of magnitude we're talking about with things being cheaper in china or like increasing packaging costs it's like under 50 cent like all of these little decisions are like little decisions that maybe save 20 cents 30 cents but then they add up to a lot so like for instance dan mentioned one thing we were considering like we were always thinking about doing like a tube for packaging and when we th- were thinking about shifting manufacturing to china we we're like oh we can save some money maybe we can just put some foil stamping on the sticker that goes on the tube and that would maybe cost i think it was like 15 cents more per uh packaging so it's it's like all these little micro decisions but once you put them on a spreadsheet they really start adding up and so but that's kind of that's on the order that we're talking about like we're not talking about oh well this is like a 20 dollars box that your pin comes in or whatever <laughs> we're not like gucci we're not like chanel or something where we yeah, like have these crazy fra- fragrance packaging stuff so um that's just like the order of magnitude we're talking about nothing crazy we're we're very i mean we're very uh we really like to try to be 
clever with our packaging and like use i mean almost everything we use is like craft recycled paper um, but we try to do it in a clever way so that's that's what people can expect um we but we have we haven't decided where we're going to land on that yet exactly what do you think about the overall kind of one kind of like the, the underlining criticism levied that can be levied to any of these individual points is that you guys have lied to your customers Mm. That was the most head-scratching thing of all of this is I could under, you know, I could understand on a degree like the anger of manufacturing in China uh even if I like disagree in some ways with the way people are kind of coming at that but the the idea of like the the bait and switch or we've been like sold a bill of goods uh and you're you know you're doing something different that I did not understand. I was like, "What?" I had to like reread. The, I had to like rewatch our video yeah. and, and read read through the campaign. But just like, where did we ever say that we're doing this? Uh, so I, I guess it's what you had mentioned earlier about this kind of just like vibe of what we've done in the past and the general expectation of kind of these two American dudes like making yeah. products on Kickstarter. But I was like, why did so many people think this? Like, it was it was so. So many people said that, that I was like, I felt like I was going crazy. I was like, am I just missing something blatant and obvious? Uh, I, I did a find on the page, right? Like yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. command F your page and typed in America and USA. Like, cause I have thought like, obviously they've said it, right? Like obviously they've mentioned it somewhere, but no, there's nothing. Yeah, we wouldn't because we know that. You know, we're really, uh, we're very careful when we're talking about things before they launch um, about like committing to things because mm-hmm. we know we like to make decisions. Well, you've learned the hard way as well, right? Yeah, like yeah. Just with, with, with timings and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like certain that we hadn't said anything about or purposefully unless we like accidentally said it or something, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was completely bowled over like, and there, you know, so we, I mean, I don't, we don't want to be like, uh like insensitive but yeah i don't think we didn't we definitely haven't like lied or deceived anyone uh so i don't know where that's coming from it's like very odd to me but what has this taught you though right because there's there's clearly a thing here now that you have to be aware of yeah i mean i think i think we learn it's always interesting to learn what kickstarter backers expectations are like there's another there's another thing that we've kind of been aware of, but I think has become a little bit to the surface in this latest update is the idea that backers should get a deal. Like the, the price they pay on Kickstarter should be Uh, cheaper Mm -hmm. or significantly cheaper than the retail price. And that's something we've kind of always had as an unwritten rule, which usually, so in most cases, what we charge on Kickstarter is the same price as what we charge retail, but we give ourselves the latitude to raise the price for retail if we want to. And we don't like to lower the price for retail because we feel like, okay, that, uh, that's like a little bit rude to Kickstarter backers. Like, why should they have to pay more? But we've never been so extreme as I think some backers think where it's like the Kickstarter price like has to be a discount. Like we're the first ones in. So we're like, getting a deal and i understand i totally understand that kind of attitude but i don't think that should be just like the default expected well i think the problem is that you mentioned this like in the 50 dollar pledge like there is language around 
the uh-huh. retail price will probably be over $65. Like, if you yeah. never mentioned that, I don't think anybody would say it. Yeah. And I think that, and I, that was another mistake in the first update we sent. Like, I don't know why I said that because that's still undecided. Like, we still don't know <laughs> if that's true. So I should have just left it uh, unsaid because. Like, honestly, the pen might be 60 or $65. Like, we don't actually know exactly where everything's going to land uh, mm-hmm. with all these, with all the pricing. So that was our mistake is, is like, even mentioning it because, uh, because who knows at this point. But I guess my thinking was just, oh, this is, like, a good thing. Like, if you want to buy, if you want to buy another pen, like, in a different color, or if you want to buy one for a gift or whatever, like, we're we're keeping the price low. Like, isn't that good? Like you get to buy this great pen for like a cheaper price, but that was a miscalculation for sure. Yeah. I I mean, you know, you don't need my advice, but just never mention that in the future. Just never. Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't think that at purchase point that makes much of a difference in somebody's decision. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that does or else people wouldn't have brought it up. No, No, I think people bring it up because they think they've got a deal. So, like, mm. if you tell people they're getting a deal, I've got a deal. So <laughs> I'm now I'm I'm in the I'm in the red on this one, right? But yeah. I don't think people that if they're going to your page were like, hmm, you know what? I'm just gonna wait because I want to get this exact same price much later down the line. I I don't think that that is much of a for many people. I do not believe that that is much of a purchasing thing when it comes to backing a kickstarter campaign i don't think people do it because they're trying to save money like i think it's a it's a difference when you have an early bird backer tier right like yeah. you, you can get it for 50 but there's only 100 of them and then they go up i think that's different because that is like an instant thing that you can see in front of you mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. i've got to back it quick so i get the cheaper price but when mm-hmm. we're talking about like this project when did the campaign go out uh I forget March maybe or so let's May? say it was March. I don't know. Let's, let's say <laughs> let's, let's split the difference to say April. If in April you go to this page and say like, oh, I'm going to get this pen in November and it will probably be available on sale in December and it might be fifteen dollars different. Oh, I'll wait till December. Like I don't think. I mean, my read on that is I just don't think that people would care too much. I think the problem is yeah. when you tell people they've got something. And then they Take think it it's, away. and then and then either you have or they believe it's being taken away from them, then they would yeah. get upset at that point. Yeah, yeah. no, that, and that makes total sense. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's. I'd be very curious to know if uh, your thesis there is correct because I do think there is a large percentage of people that see Kickstarter as a risk, and so they see the project and they think, "Oh, that looks cool." They think, "Oh, I'm just going to wait to buy it because." That way, I can be assured that it actually, you know, you know, comes to fruition or whatever. Like they have. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, but I don't think that price makes a difference because the risk is still a risk. Yeah. Right. Like if it's fifteen dollars cheaper, you're still in for fifty dollars of risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think the people that feel that way, they just straight up wait. Like they're never gonna buy because I've done this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I back a lot of stuff, but every now and then I come to a project and be like, hmm. I'm going to wait and see if they actually make this thing. Like, but I don't think to myself, oh, if they were offering it $15 less than I would put my money in. Like, my decision is based upon the fact of like, how much trust do I have? You know? Yeah. And, and I don't think that that trust is necessarily based upon a price thing. Especially when, you know, 
anybody that would, I think, feel that way typically will do a little bit of due diligence. And like, let's see, you guys have made so many projects at this point. The likelihood of you failing, you know, like to, to, to produce a product when that has never happened before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you're probably good. Like, I don't, I don't, we're getting in the weeds on this one point, but like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the underwriting thing, and I think I under, I can actually understand a little bit of this, like why people did get upset about it because you'd mentioned it. You know, like yeah. you mm-hmm. told people, like you even gave a number, $65, right? Like it will yeah. probably be mm-hmm. $65 that when you say, oh, it's going to be 50 now, they're like, well, why can't I not now pay 35, right? And I think that's why then yeah. people are like, give me $15 of worth more. And yeah. I think that's how you end up getting into those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think this whole thing can be wrapped up in it being a communications experience. Like, oh, like, definitely. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I wonder if you know, for as great as this show is, the show was the problem that you guys had already <laughs> spoken about it, right? We'd already spoken about China. Like, peop- in, like in our minds, people just knew about that because we'd spoken about it weeks before that you guys were looking at China. Well, we had also been thinking about it for a long time yeah. and we had, like, we have done, the funny thing is I think it's like we had done the work internally to convince ourselves because it really did take convincing. And so I think once we had gotten there, we just kind of forgot that that's actually something we need to like sure. tell people that that could be a sensitive subject. <laughs> so yeah. I think we just both just like missed it dumbly. Uh, and so I think it, the real lesson for us, like that we, I think we both like told ourselves is like, we just cannot take any of these updates lightly, like lightly. Like you really have to be really put yourself yeah. in the back of shoes when you're writing. Or at least you spend as much time thinking about them as you do the copy that goes on the backup page. Like if they've got mm-hmm. a lot of important yeah. information in them, it needs to be a lot of consideration. Like if you're just saying yeah. like, yeah. oh, hey, guys, here's a picture. You know, we've been at the production. Like there's probably way less of a problem. But when you're mm-hmm. giving people like stuff has changed, right? Good or bad, mm-hmm. like stuff has changed. Clearly, at, at least at the scale that you're at now, it requires more consideration, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, and it's funny because we like know that, right? But uh, the, the 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 conflict is you want those updates to also feel just like personal too. You don't want them to be like over massaged PR things, and so mm-hmm. it's like this tricky balance where you know. Uh, but you know, well, yeah, no, it's totally. I I totally feel that. Like I in writing this update, there's like something in my gut that was like, you know, this feels a little bit off. Uh, and then I just sent it anyway. So, uh, <laughs> that's a learning experience for you then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I sent, you know, I sent it to Tom and he like gave it the, like we did a normal mm-hmm. kind of, uh, two factor, both turning the keys mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but I should have listened to my gut and just like, you know, this isn't quite communicating correctly and taking another pass at it. But it was, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, cause the end of the day, I just wanted to get it out and. That was a mistake. Do you feel that the second update that you posted where you kind of took some time to explain and to address some of those comments and concerns, do you feel like it helped? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you're always yeah, going to yeah. stoke the fire more with some people, right? Like, because there are some people that you'll never turn around on an issue like this, right? Yeah. Like, that's just how that's going to be. But uh, I guess ultimately, if you feel like you've done a better job of informing people, that's as much as you could ever do. I guess. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because at the end of the day, we don't really feel like we made a bad decision. No. So we just wanted to, like, explain it more. There's something that you guys mentioned at least twice now. And, like, and I think it's important to, to, to think about this, too, is, like, you said that it took a lot for you two to come to make this decision yourselves. 
mm-hmm. right? So, like, for as much as I agree with you that it is not an issue, clearly it was still enough of a big decision that you had to, like, take some real time to consider it. Yeah, but the risk is for us, not the backers, <laughs> basically. So that's the funny thing. It's like, we're really the ones on the hook here. Um, and so like the reason why it was difficult for us to make the decision was for like selfish reasons, like of risk and like stuff like that. You got to weigh up the risk reward ratio that comes with Mm -hmm. this stuff. And and even then it's like, it's not necessarily about quality, but all of the other problems, like getting stuck on a ship because of some sanction or whatever, right. Which has happened to you guys in the past. Yeah. Like there's billions of problems. It's funny because for, you know, for a backer, except for maybe like a political reason, it's, you know, it's like usually just straight up usually good. So for us, it was really like internal risk of like quality and communication and pain and speed and all that stuff. But the political reasons are there in a lot of people though, right? And I I guess there isn't really a way to deal with it, especially if you didn't know like it would be so pointless for you to go like we might make this in china or we might make this in america we don't know yet like it doesn't really feel like something that's worth putting into a campaign video right like yeah yeah so i don't even know how you manage it i mean my feeling would be that like you know this would be my advice to anyone that super does care about this unless somebody explicitly tells you that they're making a product in america don't assume that they're not like don't (laughs) assume it you know like because that made in america thing is important to a lot of people so it becomes a selling point so if you are making Mm -hmm. your product in america and you are american you would put the little flag on your page and say you're making it in america right because Mm -hmm. that is a selling point to a lot of people and and i understand i understand some of the reasoning behind that i guess if it really if it really does matter to you don't back stuff unless you know and don't mm-hmm. assume. Well, ask. Or, yeah, or like ask. ask. That's what I mean. Like, but there's the no part, right? Like you can ask the question and find out. But it, it is a. I think it is a really strange thing to just assume it. it that seems like a, a funny thing for me. I think it might not be in the like metal pin world. <laughs> it's like I think it's like a special problem for like metal pins on Kickstarter. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. funny. I, I actually I think, like, disagree with that because like. <laughs> I know a lot of companies that make their stuff outside of the US. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, there are a lot. I mean, and again, like, I even know some cases where, like, the made in the USA thing is used quite, quite um, liberally. Sneakily. Yeah. Or, like, we're yeah. turning them in the US. The pens are being turned, <laughs> which means, like, they're being shaped. Right. But like the materials being like created or like this part, the mechanism is being created somewhere else, you know, and like that made in the USA just means assembled. Right. And then like you end up getting into all of these problems. I mean, these will be assembled in the USA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Designed, designed in the USA. Designed, (laughs) but like designed and assembled in the USA is cool. Right. Like that's, I think that's a fine thing. Like that's nice. Like whatever. If that's your bag, like go for it. But again, like it's a problem for me because that just makes the pen more expensive for me ultimately. Because it's (laughs) got to, you know, because it's got to come back, which is one of the reasons why uh, I don't care about it. Right, because it, it only ever has yeah. problems for me. If it's made somewhere else, maybe it can be dropped off on the way, right? Like, and can just be taken yeah. straight to a European shipping center, and I'm never paying for that shipping. Uh, but that's not how it works. So that brings us to today. Uh, what's going on right now? Have you progressed any parts yet? Like, is anything happening? 
Yeah, definitely. We um we received a couple like a couple sets of finished parts. Like uh, we had the Chinese manufacturer make a hundred sets of parts to like test to make sure that they can like consistently do them because that's like one of the problems. Um, and so they sent us like two complete sets from that hundred sets. Um, and in general, they look really good. Like the surface finish is good on them. Almost they hit like all the specs on almost everything. They missed a feature or two, like on two, two of the parts, they missed one feature. Um, so they are remaking those. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, we're feeling pretty good. So the real test will be, you know, once we get the full set of 100 parts, we will kind of measure and check specs on all of them. And if they're like within spec on all of them, that means that they can, you know, they're like actually using um, the machines we think they are and like everything is like like done correctly. So at that point, we'll kind of move into production. We've already made decided to make a couple revisions in terms of like tolerances and fit stuff, which are really minor, but they're... Like they're nothing you would ever see, um, but they're just like little things. So that is cool that we already are making some tweaks, and we'll probably do another round or so of those tweaks. Um, so yeah, so that's all that is like moving along. Um, and yeah, I mean it's good. You know, we don't know about timing yet, really, but they're pretty quick um, on turning that stuff around. So that's good. And then we um, on the coding side, like the Cerakote side, we've mm. Um, had some more progress on like kind of te- trying to tackle that and once we get the hundred part like set of parts uh, from the manufacturer we will then do a more like real test on the Cerakote in terms of just like um, really nailing down you know the application process and that kind of stuff because there are some there are some tricky things about the pin that we're really keeping a close eye on basically just like uh, there are some like holes and stuff that need to be masked with the Cerakote and so we just want to make sure that's like done perfectly and it's a little bit tricky that's like why we're making these like custom plugs that screw into the back of them so yeah we're making some progress there and like Dan mentioned we um are we're we thought we had packaging figured out but we're like stepping back and re-looking at that to see if we can kind of do something a little bit more interesting and fun and uh yeah so I think it's about where we are. Dan, is there anything I'm forgetting? No, I think that's it. I'm excited to get our click machine uh, set up and rolling, but I think we're going to wait for, like, once we get it, everything nailed like everything. down with the details. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do a live stream of that? Are you interested in that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, you most definitely should. I hope you're being serious. Like, that is a great idea. You must live stream the clicking machine. And this this is something that, like, you may have missed it. It's in the very controversial uh, original update. There is a video at the bottom. I saw this on your Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I absolutely adore this little machine that just clicks and clicks and clicks and it has a little counter on it and everything it is one of the most beautiful janky things i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> i assume you built this tom yeah 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 yeah. It's, it's funny it was actually pretty straightforward but it is pretty cute uh the, the thing that i don't understand how i'm going to deal with though is it's it's pretty loud um because it's like mounted on a metal plate so the <laughs> clicking like well, there's two clickings. There's the clicking of the mechanism and there's the clicking of the counter. And it like echoes. So I have to like hide it somewhere like far away. So I had to build like a little lighting live stream setup like in my garage or something. 
because I don't want it just clicking all day next to me. It's like really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll like an, like a soundproof box with like lights in it and stuff. Just <laughs> yeah. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode and the show in general by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 39. Thanks so much for listening.